Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John, and this week I'm joined by the person that agrees that summer is for the boys, but spring's for the queens, Danielle Caroli. What's up? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, kidding season's done. Excited about that. I mean, you know, my huge uh, herd of five does that freshened. You know, congratulations. It, was, it, was... it must be a great feeling. I know I'm very jealous. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. I guess people are jealous that I I only freshened five, and and maybe they're jealous of the buck doe ratio. But we won't talk about that because people will probably murder me. Um, it is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, you know, next year we'll see. It'll probably be the other way. Um, oh, exactly. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we have some nice weather. So today I had a little cookout with some friends and they picked up some goats. Thankfully, I, I am down to goat kids to uh, feed and and yeah, just kind of getting ready for a buck show next weekend. How about you? So I was enjoying the nice weather as well. I have a pen of eight babies here and my accomplishment this weekend was that I got them on the lamb bar and well, I got them on the lamb bar once. We'll see what happens after <laughs> um, this podcast ends and I have to go feed them again. But um, I've been bottle feeding them. I got them to three at a time, you know, two bottles and one bottle in each hand, a bottle um, between my legs, you know, three going doing that. And just, you know, it was time. It was past time. So took a few minutes and my kids are covered in milk, but they're fed and I didn't have to bottle feed a single one. So life is good. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on getting them on the <laughs> lamb bar. Uh, we happen to have a guest this week that urged me to get mine on a lamb bar and, and I can't be more thankful for that. Um, speaking of that, I guess we should probably introduce our guest, wouldn't you say? Yes. And when you, there's one guest that helped you with that, but then we also, I don't know if this is the most guests we've had on ringside. It's certainly the most guests we've had while I've been a part of it, but, um, we have several guests today. We do. This week we sit down with Emily Thompson, Anna Thompson, Hadjik, and Ashley Scheel to talk about judges training conferences and particularly the one that they're putting on this year, well, at least Ashley's putting on. Uh, we'll be learning what it entails, why one would want to attend, and what to expect at the training conference. Who better than to have the co-chair of the judges training committee, and of course, numerous judges to have on this episode. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah we've, we've been working on this. Tonight. Oh, yeah. our pleasure. We've, we've been working on this for a little bit. I'm glad we were able to pull it together. Um, how, first of all, how's everybody's week? Everybody doing well? 
Yeah, no, it's uh, in terms of the goats that, you know, we've we've sold down a little bit. And so the chores are seeming to be more manageable. My work is ramping up because it's the end of the semester. And so I teach English and I teach film. And so um, the students are a little stressed out, which makes <laughs> me a little stressed out. But I'm I'm we have one more week. Of, I have one more week of classes to teach and then the grading deluge. And then on the heels of that, our first goat show of the season um, will be on May 14th. So. Awesome. That's Great. very exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ashley? Um, yeah, so I'm kind of in a um, mode of many things. I feel like kind of arrow shooting off in many directions right now. Um, we're milking a really small group. We had really called down pretty heavy during the pandemic. And so um, we're only milking a handful right now and everyone is going to be weaned in just a couple of weeks. So I can commiserate probably with Danielle that I'm not jealous that I don't have late kids this year. I just have <laughs> to kind of throw that out there. <laughs> um, but anyways, we've got our group of keeper kids, um, all doing really well and just got everyone tattooed this weekend. So that's really nice. And then we're gearing up for our first show on Memorial Day weekend and as I look out my window, we cash grain farm, so we're getting final passes of tillage done and ready to get some crops in the ground this week if the weather will cooperate. And um, wow. we have baby number three on the way of the two-legged humankind, and so kind Woo-hoo! of getting ready for that in the next two months here. So I feel like um, there's there's no limits as to what things can pull me in a different direction. So it's busy. A little, you, you got a little bit going on, just a little bit. A little bit, and we're getting ready for the TC as a association here in Wisconsin, um, the Wisconsin Dairy Goat Association uh, coming up here in June. So that's there's a lot of fun stuff coming up. Oh yeah, that's for sure. And uh, we'll wrap it up with Emily. How how's everything going over there? Uh, well, yeah. So I've been at the farm for about five days now. My parent, my dad, did uh, judged a big show yesterday down in Little Rock, and so they took some extra time to drive down and, and spend some extra kind of vacation time on the end of judging. And so I work remotely uh, for a health department. And so I can thankfully work and take care of the farm at the same time. So yeah, it was just, you know, I did goat vaccines today and kid pen cleaning and hoof trimming and all of the things that need to get done. And my work is much slower than the last two years. <laughs> so that's good. And uh, kind of getting back to the the regular work of my job so the normal um, swing yeah perfect well i'm glad that you guys are here and joining us and i'm glad you could carve out some time in your busy schedules for us um i'll start off with the with the first question here um and it's really to our topic of you know i think we throw around the term pre-tc and tc so frequently uh but for everyone listening and who doesn't know what is a pre-tc and a tc all right. Well, I, I'll take this one, I guess. So a pre-TC, this is Anna. Um, a pre-TC is a, well, and we're going to just read you read to you right out of the guidebook here. It is a training program for breeders, youth, and possible future judges taught by one judge authorized to do so by AGA and consists of one full day of instruction. And so uh, it can be, you know, you don't, 
anybody can go to a pre-TC. You don't have to have a preparation necessarily to, to attend a pre-TC. Uh, it is for anyone that wants to just, um, you know, increase their knowledge about type, about dairy goats, about, you know, you know, looking for quality animals. Um, and uh, it is primarily a kind of a, there's a lot of it that's kind of lecture heavy, but then in the afternoon, usually we had, there's always an opportunity for live animal work. Uh, and so it is um, kind of a, can, and it can also be held as a standalone event. So any club could actually, you know, throw together a pre-TC as long as they hire a certified um, pre-training conference instructor. And there's a number of those ju those judges, um, as denoted on our ag judges list, that have gone through the certification process. And uh, again, you can you don't even have to be 18 to attend a pre-TC. You can be an a, a, an interested youth. You can be a senior citizen. You can be anybody uh, to just attend that one day of instruction. And it is really valuable um, in terms of if particularly if you just want to learn more about what makes a quality goat yeah, well, um, and judging as it relates to judging. So right. a lot of there'll be a lot of emphasis about reasons and terminology and and you know they have in the guidebook a list of 15 topics that'll be covered. Um, and I'll be actually teaching the pre-TC in Wisconsin. This is Emily, but, um, you know, they have everything from how to become an EDGA licensed dairy goat judge, codes of ethics, why do you give oral reasons, terminology, how do you judge males and groups and rules um, for shows. And so the emphasis is heavy on, it's not a type conference, but the emphasis is heavy on um um, judging as it relates to dairy goats, but it's a really, really good learning opportunity about applying the scorecard to dairy goats and um, when you're comparing animals uh, in a ring as well. So um, yeah, it's just a very, you don't have to be a judge. You don't have to take a training conference to take a pre-TC. You can really learn a lot, but it, you might also find then that you maybe do want to go on for to try your judge's license at another time. So mm -hmm. Right. And just to piggyback off what Emily was saying, um, like as I went out for my judging license when I was 18, back when there was a convention in Milwaukee, that's when I first got licensed. And um, that was a really intimidating thing at that age. And so it was really nice that I got to do a pre-TC like somewhere else within a reasonable travel the year before, like as like a 17, 16 or 17 year old. And so I really think that the emphasis on using that as a gateway to kind of test drive what your, what your uh, knowledge is at, and then also to kind of see if you want to take those next steps. It's a really nice economical way to kind of get some insight. I completely agree. And then the other thing about a pre-TC that I think is worth mentioning is because it is so learning-based, there really is a um segment that is or it, it as a whole is such a great way to understand what is going on in the show ring as well and um i know i attended a pre-tc i think it was held or it was held up at cornell and there was a large segment of people there who were 4-h leaders and um moms and dads of young youth that Maybe the pre-TC wasn't um, appropriate for the youth just in their ages. We're talking probably 
clover buds, young um, 4-Hers, but the parents wanted to know what was going on when their kids were in a ring. And so they attended to understand the terminology that the judges were using, the flow, those things. So um, there is a huge learning opportunity um, when you attend a pre-TC for pretty much anybody involved in interested in the show aspect of Dairy Goats. I agree. Right. Mm -hmm. And one thing to add is that if you are going for your license and it's the first time it's actually required to attend a pre-TC, well, either right before or within 24 months of, of going for your license for the first time. So there will likely be a number of people that are trying for their license for the first time. That is part of a requirement. But again, it's but you're not required to go for your license if you take a pre-TC. Right. right. Someone can go just to train their eye a little bit on what the judges are are thinking and looking at. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Right. All right. And then a TC, what does that mean and what does that entail? Yeah. So I can, I'll take, I'll lead off once again. So then the training conference, TC or training conference, that is kind of the, the main event you might say. So if you are, if you have decided you are really going to go for your judge's license, uh, that consists of two days uh, of testing. The morning of the first day is a written exam that lasts about you know three hours long. And so you have a written exam that you must pass uh, with a certain percentage. Uh, you have to then from there, there's the afternoon is devoted to kind of lecture instruction time. And then, uh, and then live animal work in the afternoon with panel members. And so then that's a whole other thing. You have, there is a panel of advanced judges that kind of evaluates your performance that comes more into play on the, on the, the following day. And the following day is kind of the, the main event where um, you have eight classes of animals that you must place. The, these placings have been um, have been done preliminarily by the panel of advanced judges, and uh, and then uh, you must also give two sets of oral reasons um, uh, on that Sunday, and so it all makes for a very kind of a long process, a rather intense process, but it is a way for uh, for Agda and for our um, you know for the panel to really ensure that. You are as prepared as you can be to, to go out there and judge dairy goats, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you can't give a set of accurate and, uh, uh, you know, and, and well-presented reasons uh, in front of an advanced panel of judges, uh, we don't want to send you out there uh, to be giving reasons, you know, in front of, you know, Joe Q public, right? <laughs> um, so that is, that is really the purpose, right? And our, our, our whole process is really modeled initially on the dairy cattle uh, process that, that the roots of our licensing system, when you look back to the sixth, fifth, the 1950s, 1960s, it all goes back to the dairy cattle uh, world. Uh, but there are little quirks and, 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 and 
elements to dairy goat judging that I do think makes it honestly one of the most rigorous programs for licensing of judges in all of in all of livestock. Uh, even our I, we have a, Emily and I have some friends that are you know have have done 4-H or FFA dairy cattle judging work and uh, and our our process is much more rigorous even than dairy cattle today um, in terms of you know how judges are licensed the a a political nature of of dairy goat judging is much more I think uh, apparent when you compare it to dairy cattle or to horses or to mm. dogs or whatever else right uh, so um, and that rigor is something that we we really value, um, but it's something that has held held steady uh, ever since, you know, my dad got his license, you know, in 1975, really. So, yeah. Now, I've got a question for a room full of judges here. How freaked out were you standing in front of those advanced judges and giving your reasons? Right. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 <clears throat> it is stressful. I mean, we... Um, we kind of grew up in front of that process because our father chaired this committee for a long time mm-hmm. for a very long time. And I would encourage people that are thinking about a license, be a handler. We're going to probably put a shout out for handlers at some mm-hmm. point. Be a handler because you can see that process and see what it is like. You get five minutes, you get seven minutes, you get a class of four animals, you get seven minutes, and then you need to have your reasons ready to go. There's a very structured format of when you give those reasons that you must start out with an introduction, you must start out with a main category and two subcategories for every single placing. Um, And if you don't do that, and if you're not using the correct terminology, then um, you won't pass. And so um, (laughs) that is very, uh, that's a lot to take in of, oh my gosh, I have seven minutes and I have to find all these reasons. And so you do see um, a lot of people stressed out. And, uh, you know, we try to, we try, that's why we have so many practices on Saturday because we want people to be comfortable. Nobody, the whole panel wants to see everybody pass. It may not seem like it in that moment, (laughs) but we want everybody to pass. We just want you to make sure that we feel that we're confident in your judging ability. And we want you to feel confident when you are going out to shows to judge. And we want show committees to feel like they are hiring knowledgeable judges. And so it's really a big kind of play on um, all of that. And that's why it can be really stressful, but um, uh, but necessary, unnecessary stressor. <laughs> well, and okay. Think- you, you- oh, go ahead. I was going to say piggybacking off what um, Emily was saying, like the big thing to remember too is that these panels are made up of judges who are, you know, veterans in the industry, very seasoned at what they do, but every judge is still a, a person with, you know, very different like potential styles of judging, but still the same commonalities of how we function within our industry. And the biggest thing for me cuz I've had well over a decade plus in like having a license since um, getting started so early out of high school. And so I've seen such a wide array of panels that like you glean a little bit of something different every time you renew. And if one time doesn't necessarily go as optimal as another time, you know, you just got to kind of really pick up from that and learn and not be discouraged because 
there is going to be someone that's going to really hone in on a certain skill set they think you could improve or, you know, articulate in a better way, maybe in the show ring. And so for me, over the over the many years so far, I've really I've seen such a diversity in panelists um, that I've been under because at these uh, special TCs, there's one panel and at conventions, there's two panels. So you could have up to six, six judges that you are working with at one of these. And um, it's been very humbling, but also really rigorous through the years to like work on that skill set. And I still have a lot of room to go to be the best that I can be, but it's just been really good through the years, but that's also very intimidating. So Mm -hmm. you have to go in very open-minded, but also just be really thankful that someone who, you know, you may brush elbows with in the future is willing to put themselves out on the line to give you really good feedback to help you help you grow. So that's a, that's a good point. I I think, myself not being a judge i would akin it to 16 year old me hopping in a car with some 45 50 year old nerd with coffee stains that smells like cigarettes and even though he didn't intimidate me as a person man my throat my heart was in my throat you know for that driver's test so i I gotta think like something like that you know anything that's different that you're not used to and holds a lot of weight on what you want your future to be is probably uh, pretty stressful so i can see how I'm sure some people uh, don't do so well underneath that pressure, um, but I would still encourage people to try. Now, with that, you know, pre-TC, we know, you know, a kid can can go to that, uh, you know, a grandma, whoever. Um, who can attend a training conference? Uh, do you even have to be looking to get your license for a training conference? So actually, you don't necessarily. So there, there are different levels of of signing up. So you can be a full candidate, and that that is, you know, going going all in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also register as an audit, auditor or a spectator, um, where in you have uh, as an auditor, you go through the whole process, but you will not license. You don't have to pay then as much in terms of your your registration fees if you decide to audit. Um, but it can be a valuable um, experience if you're thinking about going going for it. But maybe you're just yeah, you're just maybe not quite ready, and you know that. But you just want to go through the whole process before, say, you decide to go, you know, become a full candidate the next year. And you might only give one set of reasons if you're an auditor. Sometimes, if there's the time constraints, um, some a lot of auditors choose to not give reasons, which we don't necessarily encourage but you know maybe they just by that point they're like i'm good (laughs) like i you know i you know you get a lot just being an auditor and going through the process of taking the you still take the exam you know what you get there you give practice reasons on saturday so you're going to give at least three to four sets of reasons on saturday you can do the pool classes which is you're doing all these placement classes and um i think the six that i've been involved with or so five um, auditors tend to decide to give maybe one set of reasons, um, not always, and sometimes they give two, but it's not a necessity that they have to give reasons in front of the panel. Right. And then a spectator does not give, so a spectator does not give reasons. Um, they kind of spectate. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a much cheaper, but they are there for that process. Right. To just so. kind of see. see. And um, 
a couple of years ago, uh, our committee came up with a, a handout. Um, so you want to be a judge. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> and uh, this is a handout that is available on the AGGA website. Uh, if uh, anybody listening would really love to see that handout, uh, just, you know, find Emily or I um, online or email us. Um, we are well, judges preparation preparations checklist uh, 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 prep- on the website. We just updated all these documents. Right. Okay. And so awesome. And yeah, and it is it is a, a, a checklist. And we ask on that checklist there, we ask questions like, do you like dairy goats, right? <laughs> uh, have you been raised them for at least several years? I mean, this is a common well, sense question, but you'd be surprised. Every, but yeah. I will say this was developed after a training conference we were involved in. And we had a, a problem, more than a handful of people were coming to the TC and they had signed up for the whole training conference. Um, was the first time they'd ever given reasons in front of a person was the first time um, they'd ever opened their guidebook. I mean, and, and we were really trying to uh, not wanting to put people in that situation because that then turns into a very stressful situation for that person. Um, and it's an expensive process. And so we really were trying to, you know, this is what is going to be asked of and required of you to take the training conference. And so, you know, please go through a checklist such as this to see if you are ready to, take the training conference as a full candidate and maybe you're not, maybe you want to do an auditor, maybe you want to spectate, maybe you just want to take the pre-TC. So that's what's behind us creating this document a few years ago. Right. And so again, familiarity with the AGA guidebook is a necessity. Um, You know, attending shows, having familiarity with shows is really important. Um, If you've judged 4-H shows or county fairs or FFA shows, I mean, that is a real plus. If you have dairy cattle judging experience, that is a real plus. Um, You know, another big thing is, are you comfortable with public speaking? You know, this is something that is required of you. If you are not, you know, necessarily the greatest of public speakers, it's okay. You know, that's a skill that judging can help you to develop, but you do have to have a fundamental uh, comfort with public speaking in order to at least gain your license. Um, And then, you know, in terms of who have you delivered oral reasons to, we have this one question that is, where are you comfortable giving reasons to your own goats? I mean, are you comfortable (laughs) giving reasons? to uh to another mentor to another judge uh do you feel comfortable giving reasons to friends um this is again the this idea of just being comfortable delivering reasons is just fundamentally important if you um have the goal to pass a training conference uh and so um you'd be surprised (laughs) the number of candidates that that we've seen over the years, all the way back to when we were we were children, um, when we were handling at TCs, uh, the number of candidates we've seen that just did not possess that that just that fundamental comfort of public speaking, and that is that is really 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 important. Yeah. Well, Anna, just to add to that too, there is a place, and I think a good fit for like. Um, you know, we do get a good culture of local judges and some of the really nice dairy pockets throughout the country too. And I think also hinting at like taking advantage of processes like this, if they're close to you, 
um, can really help build some like good, like, you know, local 4-H judges and things of that nature. Not that they should be bashful to go for full licensure, but some people that's just not a life goal of theirs. Um, but taking advantage of this process to hone in on like maybe a way to help local youth to in your area just by getting some better training. Right. And the other thing is if you go through this process um, and you don't pass, that is okay. Like it is not the worst thing to fail and really learn from it and come back the next year. We have seen lots of judges do that and they come back better because they've gone through it now. Now they feel maybe a little bit more comfortable. Our dad did not pass the first year he ever took it. Lots of lots of advanced judges didn't pass um, at their a time year. their first year or at down the road. And so, um, you know, I sometimes feel like candidates get hung up on just so oh, I have to pass, I have to pass. And like, it's okay for it to be a learning opportunity. You know, it can be a, a it can be very uh, money, very well spent, even if you're not passing that first time, because um, you will come back as a better candidate going through it the, the whole the whole time and knowing what you now need to improve on if you don't pass. No, I completely agree. I think throughout the whole process, and it is very much a, um, you know, require or obtaining a license process, but throughout the whole process, you are learning as you're going, there's lectures that are um, being held on Saturday with the panel. Um, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit more later, but um, then you're learning how to look at these goats and evaluate them and then how to put what you're seeing into words. And so if you're not leaving a TC without at the very least gaining some knowledge and understanding of dairy goats, then I don't know what you were doing at that TC because it's just, it's a whole weekend filled of learning. And um, it's just something that people, you know, you should be able to get something out of this regardless of whether or not you come out with a license. Um, And then, so there are typically two opportunities each year to obtain or renew your license with um, the ADGA, um, at specials and at convention. For those who do not know, um, why did Wisconsin decide to apply for hosting the 2022 special TC? Now go to Ashley. Yep. So um, I am the current acting president of the Wisconsin Dairy Goat Association. And um, we definitely have such a um, really unique opportunity as a as a host group, potentially, just because we have such an infiltration of commercial dairies and also the hobbyist exhibitor to just kind of that midsize, you know, maybe 30, 40 goats and they do it, you know, as a midsize operation. And so due to our proximity to some really quality facilities and also the ability to gather, um, you know, really great people and really, um, you know, easily accessible animals of a diversity of breeds and strengths, we felt that that was a really good opportunity for us to offer back this service to the industry as, as an association. And um, so that's kind of what spurred or uh, sparked the, um, the wish to do this. And so we nestled this TC in an area where it would be very effortless to bring in the animals that would make this a really amazing experience. And we also have, 
one of the most dense pockets of people that will be able to help collaborate and make this a really good experience for people. So we're very excited about that and figured we might as well make this an opportunity. We've seen um, uh, fellow uh, goat association groups like Illinois and um, other states do it successfully. And we thought, or I guess I thought, we've got what it takes to do it too. And I think we can do it really well. So we're excited to be hosting. Now, speaking of specials, uh, what what are the differences between the two TCs that are mentioned here? So I think, you know, specials are, um, you know, you just have that event, right, that you can focus on. You know, convention, I'm sorry, convention TCs are also certainly very valuable uh, in terms of, you know, you get to maybe you know, see more people and, and, and do more things. If, if that's what you so choose, most, most candidates though will come in during convention TCs and just kind of be there during convention. And I think part of that is due to the fact that we do have a lot of younger, generally a lot of younger folks, a lot of college kids, for example, right. Who need to get back to their, their classes and that sort of thing. Um, but, um, to me, a special has always been a little bit preferable just because that that focus can really help you and you don't you're not necessarily distracted by so for example these last several years at um the training conference at conventions were held uh uh during like the night the, the one of the nights was the banquet and then the very next morning we had candidates that had to um you know, get up at seven, seven in the morning and get to the get to take the, the test. Take the test, right? <laughs> and so uh, that did not. For, I, I do know there were a few candidates that were a little hungover the next morning. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. No. I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories of right. And so you know, to, the fact that a special is just its own little little event, I think, is very appealing, at least to a certain segment of our our candidates, uh, because you can just totally. I, what I think of it, what a special allows is total focus right? When you have a training conference that's occurring during convention, there are just other external factors. There's temptations, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that can, that can, that can affect, um, whether or not, you know, you are going to do as well. Right. Well, <clears throat> and this year, however, though, the schedule is changed. And so it's going back to the way it used to be. So actually the training conference will be first. And so that very first weekend, the training conference will be going on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And so it'll be done. And then um, people that want, you know, a lot of people, the one thing about convention TCs also, though, is also that <clears throat> you can come in and fly to one place and then you can do your training conference. And then if you um, have want to go to any of the board meeting or if you want to attend the spotlight sale or you want to attend the different seminars, then you can also do that at the same time. And this year, I think, um, we, you know, we were really in favor of having the training conference at the beginning part of the week to avoid a lot of this um, distraction that there can be and just desire to want to participate in all these other things, but then also have to wake up and you know, we start at 8 a.m. on Saturday and we, well, the panel starts very early at 6 a.m. on Sunday. And so um, it, it, I think it just is, is helpful. So it is a very different, it's just <coughs> different and there mm -hmm. can be different costs associated as well um, with, with taking it at 
convention. So when well. you do when you do register at convention when you when you take a training conference at convention, you do also need to register for the the day. the day the convention fee. So that is an added cost on top of uh you know on top of being a candidate and those fees. So specials you know generally have the reputation of being a little cheaper because you're only paying for the cost of the special as opposed to a convention training conference where you are required to also register for that day of content, the day of, of convention content, you know, even though you're not going to necessarily yeah. be, you know, availing yourself of that content other than the training <clears throat> conference content. Oh. Right. So it's just um, economically, it is a little, and that is, I know that's one of your, all your questions in terms of, of cost. It is, Historically, just a little bit cheaper to do um, for the to training do, to do a special to yeah. do a special for the training conference costs itself. Again, if you have to go to convention for other reasons and you want to combine it all into one trip, then you might be saving money that way. Um, and then the other um, shoot, I lost it in my head. There was something else that I was going to um, point out, and now I just can't. I can't. Well, we can, we can we can we can unlodge that. So. Uh, let's talk about the cost. Like, say, I wanted to be a judge, so I wanted to go to the TC. Uh, although my wife would probably divorce me because I spent enough time with goats. Um, <laughs> what what would I be looking at, um, personally at, for for cost? So yeah, I mean, so for I I can I can give you the uh, the the cost here for this special here in a couple in in June. Are um, the cost for the um, pre-training conference alone, uh, just one day of instruction, that is $75. That is a full day of content that also includes meals. Um, so we and generally training conferences, when you're a candidate, when you when whatever level you sign up at, your food is also included. <laughs> so that's <laughs> <one> <laughs> be fed. <laughs> right. And the same would go for a convention. When you're signing up at convention, your the your food costs are always included. Uh, for being a full-fledged candidate, that cost is $375. Um, and uh, so that is, you know, it's a significant amount of money. And that that is something that, you know, when we are talking to folks about whether or not they want to become a judge, you know, we really want to stress preparedness, right? You need, if you want to go for this, you can't be too prepared because it is a lot of money, right? To invest in yourself, right? And so $375 is the cost for the special. I think, I cannot remember right now, but I think last fall at Tucson, the cost for to be a full-fledged candidate in the at the Tucson training conference was Three twenty, but then that allowed for you had to also register for the uh, the, the convention, and I, I can't recall, but it, it it's kind of a wash, you know, in terms yeah. of the amount there. Um, and so our the prices for the Wisconsin special are the same prices that were um, asked of candidates at the Ohio special that was last spring. So uh, our costs are just we did not really you know we. Raise costs this year as a as a um, as a kind of a courtesy to our 
to, to, to the candidates just because everything seems to be going up in price uh, in this era of inflation. And so we maintained those prices. And so I think, again, I would imagine that this, that the convention costs this fall are going to be probably very much in line with the same costs that were incurred at the Arizona training conference. Um, so that makes and- sense. And Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say one other thing with cost to consider is typically speaking, if you're going to a convention, the hotel is usually pretty premier in terms of facilities and abilities to meet and accommodate so many things. When you're at a special during the summer, you know, it's very region specific what hotel access you will have. But generally speaking, you are, you know, you're all sourcing a little bit more economy kind of hotel as well so and sometimes it presents itself just a little easier to room share or travel together with someone else from your area so just something to keep in mind when you're looking at your options between like a convention versus a special awesome and this is actually exactly what i was going to ask ashley um you had i think you i saw something you had posted in one of the groups in regards to this TC and where to stay and kind of your recommendations for that. And if you don't mind, if people are interested in coming to Wisconsin, but not really knowing the area, where would you recommend them staying for this weekend? Yeah. So, um, the one caveat to our area here is we are very close to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin at the fairgrounds we're using. And that is a pretty touristy area during different hot spots of the summer just because of the water frontage and a lot of really neat things in the area. So Elkhorn is technically the location of the TC at the Walworth County Fairgrounds. And so looking around that area, um, Walworth is, or I'm sorry, Elkhorn is showing to have some higher hotel rates that weekend, which are emerging, but close around the area between Fort Atkinson, Whitewater, and, um, you know, kind of those vicinities would make for very sufficient um, hotel options, which should get you a lot cheaper. And then the pre-TC is a little bit of a a drive from the TC, and it's in um, a small town called Orfordville, and that's about 45 minutes from the TC host site. And so that one, the hotels would be like in Janesville area, which is right adjacent. So a lot of the folks coming in are going to stay in Janesville the first night and maybe even the second night just to save some save some commuting time and make things easier for that pre-TC day. Um, but this is all going to be based. Um, what's really nice and super unique about this, and part of the reason we also thought this warranted us kind of soliciting the host, is um, we are nestled between Chicago airports, Milwaukee airports, and Madison airports. Anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half, depending which one you would choose. So depending on the airport, it would definitely dictate some hotel options. And I've told numerous individuals, like once you book your ticket, we'll get you set up. Just message me and I will help you find local accommodations as a local (laughs) because there's a lot of choices. Great. Now, where exactly is it and 
which club is putting it on and, and who's on the panel. Let's 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 dig into those details. Yep. So um, as far as so uh, when you're looking at Wisconsin, right near the state line, northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin, this is um, just a little bit north of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, in the town of Elkhorn, which is Walworth County. And um, so that's where it's at in terms of location for the TC. And with the um, panelists, I guess I would like to defer to Emily and Anna, because that's actually more your guys' area of knowledge to talk about who is on the panel. Yeah, so our panel for Wisconsin is, uh, well, Emily is going to be the pre-TC instructor. And generally, when we get a pre-TC instructor, that person also sits on the panel. So she is uh, both the instructor for Friday, um, that's June 17th. And then our panel members, um, additional panel members include uh, Dustin Noble of Noble Springs, Dairy down in Tennessee, and then uh, Jeff Klein, uh, uh, advanced judge, long time, long time veteran, um, uh, former owner and breeder of Quality Crest Toggenbergs um, down in Texas, and so he um, was a kind of a panel mainstay, you might say, in the '90s uh, when our when our father chaired, um, and hasn't been on a panel in a while, but he's uh, you know has some terrific insights there. So the, the three of them, and we, when we put together our panels, we generally like to think about things like, you know, geographic diversity. Um, we think, we think it's important. I'm going to just put this out there because it's something that is a committee uh, talking point for us as well. But we think about gender dynamics. We don't want to have, you know, all men or all women, right? We want to have a mix there. We think it's important to also have a kind of a generational mix of, of, uh, of panel members. And uh, certainly uh, we like to have kind of our veterans, the folks that have been judges or, you know, most always we have advanced judges that are on our panels. So that's some of the calculation that we, and then the, probably the most important thing is that uh, our panel members get along. Um, yes. <laughs> we've had, we've, we've not necessarily witnessed this, but we've heard stories where if panel members don't get along, it can be really bad for the candidates, right? In terms of not, if the panel is not seeing animals eye to eye, uh, um, uh, it can be, it can be uh, rather calamitous, you might say, uh, in terms of how candidates might do. So these are all considerations we take into account and uh, in putting a panel together. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, one of the things that the panel's members do is that everybody will have on Saturday a chance to give reasons, uh, a set of reasons with each of the panel members. Um, we'll have practice classes, um, and everybody has to give reason. I mean, they just they need you to be doing that if you're going to be going for your license. And then on Sunday, you know, the panel members get there. Uh, we usually get there between 6 and 7 a.m. Candidates don't show up until about 10. Um, and we place all of the um, the pool classes is what they're called. The, all of those eight classes of animals. We generally try to do nine so that there's a toss out class so you can toss your lowest score. Um, but you know, we the three panel members do need to to see animals and discuss the classes. And you come up with your cuts of you know you you really need to see this class and. And maybe we can get into cuts and how, how things are scored in another question. But um, those are just some of the things that the panel does um, 
and, and why it's essential they work together well uh, prior to when the candidates even see the animals. Okay. And, and that's perfect segue there. Uh, Ashley, one of the biggest variables in TCs are, are the goats that the host group has available. However, for the time of the year that the TC is occurring, uh, Wisconsin that certainly has a wide variety of animals and, and some pretty amazing herds around there. Uh, are the goats for evaluating uh, or evaluation, sorry, uh, are they coming from dairies or show herds or national show winning animals? What, what, what should a TC candidate expect uh, from the local herds? Yeah, so one of the biggest things that we wanted to guarantee when we were seeking the ability to host this special TC was that we could deliver on that in a major way because there are some specials and convention TCs where there is very limited options. Like there ends up being a lot of like AOP classes, so all of their purebred, mm-hmm. or what we would construct as like a recorded grade class using some animals because you just lack enough of certain breeds to put it together. So we're very, very excited to say in confidence, you're going to see, you know, you're like the full array and there are some national winning herds locally accessible, which will be um, bringing forth animals. And when the, the best part I think in our area is, and I know this is true to many, but I am especially proud of the, the local culture we have where if you go to a commercial dairy, they're, they're at such a standard of, you know, animal husbandry that like you wouldn't guess the animals are from a dairy. So, um, and I don't mean that in any disrespect to any dairy side. It's just a lot of these dairy herds are showing herds. So the animals you're going to go see are pretty well manicured. So we're going to have um, a full array of breeds and um, different, you know, different access points as far as age and um, even down to the Nigerians and things like that, which can sometimes be tricky by geography and region. Because mm-hmm. in certain parts, like even just out judging, it's not always very common in every area. You get even an official breed of Toggenbergs, like that would be the breed I raised. So it's just nice in our area. I know we're going to catch all the breeds. And also they'll be in really peak timing. Um, people are really yeah. priming yep. up for show season. So rather than end of the year, maybe getting more stale. Um, You lose access in some of the fall TCs in certain portions if herds are already drying up their goats. So we're going to be still prime milking. People are definitely just getting show show season underway. Um, So I think that's going to provide a lot of really great local access. And um, the other thing is we're also not, and this isn't a jab at TCs in the fall at a convention, but we're not hauling our goats into a hotel in the city or anything like that. So we're at a fairgrounds. People are very comfortable local at this fairgrounds who have provided or who are providing the goats. So the goats are actually going to get to be on site in pens and be milked there and be handled in a way that I think they're really going to settle in nicely um, and allow for some really good assessment. Well, I'm sure too, with the facilities being a fairgrounds, you're working with a space where it's going to be covered from elements. If needed, you're going to have adequate facilities for, you know, walking animals and presenting them in that show experience setting when the, 
the judging candidates are evaluating them, um, which is some things that, you know, as everybody's putting on different TCs, you're kind of at the nature of, or the mercy of the facilities. And so having a facility that's very purpose is to showcase animals um, and to showcase livestock is probably going to um, do a lot to help candidates just really have a good time. And I can't, I know you touched on it really um, as well, but having does in milk and evaluating them and just seeing them kind of at their peak is just going to be such an experience for everyone and something that you're seeing animals as you hope you will be seeing them in the ring. Obviously when you're taking shows later in the season or earlier in the season, you may not necessarily be seeing You know, you may see animals that aren't necessarily showcasing their best. And, but this time period allows you to really see animals as what you would want to see as a judge when you're trying to appreciate these animals in the ring. Yep. And putting in a plug too on the pre-TC side, it as a special TC, it's very, um, very unique that lots of these are very dairy host centric. So a few people were asking why we didn't keep the whole thing at the fairgrounds. And my answer to them is when you see the facility um, where our pre-TC is, you will be so excited to A, be there. And B, the supper club, that is like a true Wisconsin experience where we're doing some of the classroom side and eating at is right across the street. So that's kind of cool. Um, But the fact that we're on site, you're going to get to see a really quality local dairy with beautiful animals to allow us to use and their willingness to do that. So I've done TCs in the past that are specials and like getting to go to Poplar Hill Dairy in Minnesota, I mean, it, it was such a unique experience and it just adds to the like the ease of the environment and de-stressing a little bit. And um, I think people are really going to enjoy the local culture of the Wisconsin area that we have to bring. So very excited. Well, qu- quick question though. Uh, is there going to be cheese curds? <laughs> Um, we may have to make sure of that because <laughs> we're bringing out the best stops with the food. So right, um, we'll have to right. make sure to bring some cheese curds. So it's just a personal fat boy question. You know, I was just curious. <laughs> <laughs> and what is a supper club? You mentioned it as like a Wisconsin staple. Yeah. So, um, the, the local cultures area by area, I mean, Friday fish fry here is like, a really big deal, a good brandy old fashioned or whatever. I mean, you're, you're really nice um, drinks and fish fry at a supper club, but typically in a lot of our smaller Wisconsin towns, you end up in these, like, they look like a really kind of small hole in the wall kind of bar or pub or restaurant. And they have the full menu with, you know, you still have your um, walk-up style salad bar and soup and, you know, all of that. And you just, you leave stuffed and everything is just way over the top, like four different types of potato and your steak or prime rib or fish or all the things. And um, when we were examining herds to actually host at, I told Anna, I'm like, it, I, it has to be by the ding supper club. If we can make it work on um, 
Corey Stanton's dairy there. And so that's where that's at. I'll let the cat out of the bag because you can just look it up online. Dingling Supper Club, if that's not a name to stick with you, right? Oh, man. All right. So so typically in the past, if I've ever stopped out at um, Early Rise Acres, uh, where Corey Statton and his wife, Bobby Joe, have their uh, facility, we've often paired it with a dinner at the Dingling. And so that's kind of a a local spot that we will drive the 45 minutes to go have uh, dinner there and we'll make a goat transaction happen while we're around. <laughs> so it works out really good, but literally walking across the street. So we've, we've got a good menu plan for that day. So everybody Google uh, the dingling supper club and check out their specials. Yeah. The dingling supper club. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Is it brats? Is that their special? <laughs> <laughs> probably not um but yeah if anyone likes it that much they could go back and eat there that night on friday night so because the <laughs> pre-tc awesome. is on a friday yeah so hence another reason to maybe stay in the janesville area um with hotels so you can go back and eat at the dingling for dinner too get your get your fill <laughs> that's great uh, now this makes me think like oh man one day i'd like to like to you know really think about you know becoming a judge, do a pre DC and then a TC. Uh, so I've like I said early in the, earlier in the episode, I've got uh, four judges here. Does anyone have any advice for someone who may be on the fence about becoming a judge, and and you know have advice on how to successfully uh, navigate through a TC? Uh, Emily, go so, yes. <laughs> you um so one plug i'm gonna put in is that um the committee we have just recently um uh revised a number of the training materials on the adga website so if you just google search adga judges training materials they'll bring you up right up to the website and they'll tell you what you need to review in your guidebook there are a number of i think i i think there's about 10 different classes of animals that are practice animals um, to give to practice reasons on there is a, um, a, a reasons format um, how your reasons should be formatted there there is um, information on terminology of dairy goats and so there's just a wealth of training resources so I would really start there um, if you're thinking about it you know make sure you're giving those reasons you can use pictures are a great tool to just get your um, self using the terminology in the guidebook. Um, If you don't have a guidebook, uh, there is the guidebook on the website. I believe if you don't have a physical copy of one, I don't know what the current process is to request one, but I mean, there was a big change last year in the scorecard. um, So I would really make sure that you are using the current version of the scorecard, but the rest of the information in the guidebook is is pretty similar um, if you only have yourself a 2021 version. Um, But even again, on the website, it tells you exactly what pages you need to be studying as well. Um, And so using pictures and just like get, uh, you know, take four pictures from Facebook of four animals that you put in a class, give a set of reasons, like start there, see how that feels. Um, In the last couple years, we also, um, for anybody that was a candidate, um, I offered to do Zoom sessions of reasons where, where there, I think I had two 
And then I helped a couple of people who couldn't make it and they could give reasons and they could get feedback from myself. Um, and then another person that was either on the panel or a, a member of the committee um, likely will do that again. So I encourage particularly new people to come to that to just practice. Um, so we, you know, we, we've put out a ton of information out there. The website is updated. Please go there review your guidebook, make sure you're looking at the current version of the scorecard and terminology, which is again, also on the website and is updated. Um, and if you have any questions ever about uh, things, um, if you want to just um, even just send a set of reasons to us, um, we are more than happy to answer questions. And when I say us, I talk about my sister, Anna yep. and myself. Um, any committee members can also help any of the tra judges training committee members are, can also help with this. But um, if you have questions for us, if you want to send us a set of reasons for feedback, we are we do that all the time. We are more than happy to, to um, help with that because we really do want everyone to come in there feeling prepared and have the best shot um, of getting a license. You mean you want them to succeed? We sure do. <laughs> we do. We want everybody to to feel like they have have spent a valuable weekend of their time, regardless of the outcome of getting a license. We want you to get a license, but ultimately we want it to be a very rewarding weekend. Correct. And adding to that, I think it's really, um, I think the bug, the know that it's like meant to be your thing that you go after your judge's license. There are people that I've seen over the years and I'm like, you, you have what it takes to go and be successfully trained to do this. And the big thing you have to remember is you are not put out there with a license to fail because they do test drive you at an apprentice level first, which I'm sure is another question. But with that apprentice, you can't exceed um, the threshold, I believe, of 300 per day. And 200. Or 200, 200 per day. Sorry, I misspoke. But... That 200 per day gets your train. It's like getting the training wheels, you know, on your bike going. And then by, you know, you can renew after that first year and then, you know, be a full, a full uh, license with a two-year license. And so, um, you know, I just encourage people, it's like at that apprentice level, you're somewhat in a safe zone and you're able to take on some really meaningful assignments that get you great exposure and give you a good taste of what it is. But the other thing I always remembered is sitting ringside. I would always sit there and say reasons in my head while I watched the Adga judge in the ring. And I would always compare my placings to theirs. And if you really get enjoyment from that and you're a great, like, you know, people person and you really enjoy that camaraderie of the industry, I think it's a very fair assessment to say that this is something that could be on the radar for you. Excellent. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's great for people that are um, thinking about doing it. And honestly, like, yeah, we obviously want people, you know, people, people, I guess <laughs> people, persons. Um, but I think, just thinking on it, you know, I, I definitely have some friends that have great eyes and can talk goat, but they're kind of shy in person. And I was like, listen, maybe take a, a some courses on public speaking. And I know that helped me through college. And then 
uh, or just go on YouTube. There's plenty of public speaking free content on there. Um, and and if you really want to be a judge, but don't think you're you're able to talk confidently to a group of people looking at you for for advice on which which animal is uh, the best in that lineup, um, definitely seek getting better at that if that's what they want to do. Absolutely. And the other cool thing, too, is there's so many counties throughout different states that just they literally cannot get someone out on the budget they're on with dairy goat experience sometimes. And so you get some judges at dairy goat for eight shows that are like multi-species, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But there's ways to test drive your skill set while doing the industry a huge a huge amount of good. So if you're unsure of kind of what you think your path in judging is, whether it's local 4-H or you want to go all the way to ADGA, um, if you go to a 4-H show and you work with the youth and you love it and like you're like, this is exactly where I feel like I'm meant to be, but I want a little more, that's where my signal was to pursue an ADGA license because at 18, I got my um, judges license just for the state of Wisconsin and start judging just some local shows. And I found how much I enjoyed it and connected with those in the show ring that I was working with. And it didn't feel intimidating in that size of, you know, arena. So I figured why not take it a step further and really try to kind of make this a, a bigger thing. So. Definitely. Now, I know, Danielle, you're up, but I'm going to ask this question because it's for all four of you. And I'd like yeah, to hear yeah. hear an answer from you all. Um, does, does attending a TC or a pre-TC or becoming a judge and judging all over the country, do you guys feel like it helps you as a breeder? Yes, definitely. Nope. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, Susanna. Yeah, I mean, I... You know, I, I have seen um, all sorts of goats and and particularly those herds that might be more under the radar where they maybe don't show at the national show all that often. Or let's say they're in a far flung geographic area of the of the country. And so they just nationals maybe isn't a priority for them. Um, maybe they just aren't, you know, into social media in terms of advertising or marketing their herd. Um, and so, or they don't keep their website up to date. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of folks we know who have beautiful goats, but just, you know, website updating is not their priority. And that's where judging is so handy, right? You can get a, you know, get a sense of, 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 you know, who these, you know, who these animals are, who these birds are that could potentially really make a difference in your breeding program. I, a few years ago, I judged a show out in Washington and it was, um, you know, I, I judged some Toggenbergs, I raised Toggenbergs. And so I uh, judged this herd and I, I decided, you know, then after, and I was very impressed with the, the herd that these animals, and I think it was 48 hours later, I was just like, I just, you know, I really think I want to get, you know, some semen from you um, related to the still that I put up champion, right? And we made it happen. And and that was a herd that she, you know, this person didn't show at nationals all that routinely. And I never would have been aware of how that buck might have fit into my breeding program had I not evaluated her animals. So mm -hmm. uh, most definitely. And it also... Um... 
I find I constantly am judging my own animals. And so I freshened five yearlings. And so I'm constantly, or four yearlings out there, but I am constantly judging them and placing them and putting in my head, okay, you know, well, you know, who is the strongest in general appearance? Who's the strongest in the memory system? Who do I think is going to develop and mature um, more strongly than some of the other does? And so, you know, because I'm familiar with the scorecard and I'm familiar with terminology and, and all of, you know, all of how these different things fit fit together, you can apply that to your own animals. And then, you know, you know, for us, we have a very small herd. So we generally only keep a couple yearlings. And so I judge my own herd um, frequently, and then I take it out to show as well. Um, But I use that to constantly evaluate and and make decisions on what animals can I keep um, in in the small herd that we have versus, you know, are we selling, am I selling these animals because I think they're show quality? Am I selling these animals because maybe they're not show quality, but they're really still good commercial milkers? Or, you know, maybe this goat should go to the sale barn because mm-hmm. I don't think that they really fit either one of those boxes. But if I wasn't familiar with what animals are judged on and how to evaluate those animals, I also wouldn't be able to do that with my own herd as well. And the thing about that as well is when you're judging and if you're judging frequently throughout the year or even if you're judging one show a year plus showing, you are getting your hands on and really concentrating on more animals than you would if you were just attending a show. You are, If you're just attending a show, you may handle for a friend or something like that, but you're not getting a chance to really watch this animal on the move, put your hands on the animal, see the, you know, space between the ribs, how pliable the skin is, all of these different things that just kind of multiply exponentially when you are judging versus just participating in a show and you're just able to see more. And as you're seeing more, it kind of gets internalized and you can then take it back to your own herd and say, okay, I like this in my herd, but I'm seeing this everywhere else. And so maybe this is an area where I need to concentrate or I thought my rumps were good, but ooh, I just saw a class where the thoroughs were just horrible and oh wait, my thoroughs might look a little bit like that. So maybe my next buck I'm bringing in, I, you know, concentrate on that. You just, I think you're just seeing more animals. So the data in your mind just expands. Mm-hmm. In in my travels, like, I, I mean, when I turned 18 and started traveling, I mean, my knowledge base of, like, my genetic access was from, like, what we had on our home farm. And, I mean, we'd go to a national show, and, yes, you see nice animals there. It's an experience. But there's nothing, like, in your young 20s going through college and really, like, making this experience matter. I mean, I used it to help get some travel under my belt, pay for some school, but there was nothing like the growth that it allowed me for my own herd back at home. And that was because I got to see things that I had never gotten to see otherwise because I was judging the animals. And then the other thing that I really loved is the consistency in testing the type that you gravitate to. Um, and not saying like, I just have my own style and I don't follow the scorecard. That's not at all it. But like you get into some pretty deep classes with some of these Nigerians, for example, where there is 25, 30 in a class. And I'm not joking. 
And what I really loved is at like a show this year or this past year, the um, particular owner came up and he's like, I just thought you might want to know you like our best, you know, our, our uh, grand champion junior doe and the senior doe. And then also one of the bucks, they were all like, it was like dam and daughter. Like it was all in the same maternal line. And that made me feel really good because it just, it sharpens, it, it shows you how sharp your eye is. And when you go home and really analyze some of those patterns in your own barn and like, look at what you're, you know, after, I feel a lot stronger in that capacity, having gotten to evaluate so many different animals. But um, based on area, though, I've also learned different culture of like management and how they handle animals in the South and what works well there and what works well up here. It just I've tried some different genetics through access that I've um, gleaned from judging over the years and and most of it's gone relatively well, but I am just a little more conscious of like um, the diversity based on region as well. So you see different things as you're further west than you are maybe further east and things like that. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I think it's an experience that if it's something you're interested in, you should explore it. Um, and like we've all said, when you're doing this, you're going to learn something. When you're attending a TC and this is a passion for you, or at least you think it could be a passion. There's so many avenues between the pre-TC and the TC to really learn and further that um, eye that you develop as a judge or, and you know bring that to um being a breeder and what that works for your program and so um sorry train of thought um, uh well that's okay i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah, yeah, jump yeah. in for just one second so i think i think it's easy to say for an outsider looking in that the training conference pre-tc becoming a judge it's kind of like before becoming a judge it's like watching the lord of the rings trilogy trailer right you get a good idea of what it's about uh, but and you don't we get are now details. Lord of the Rings podcast again. <laughs> but then, but then, when you become a judge and start traveling, you're really, you're really watching the full trilogy and getting all the details, and it, it helps you grow as a person because you know Lord of the Rings rocks. But yeah, did I nail that analogy? Sure. Nobody yeah. agrees. Great. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> And then I'm going to be the oddball. I've never seen or read or anything Lord of the Rings. So now Get you out. can kind of go like, really, <laughs> Ashley? It's totally okay. Ashley, it's totally okay. We just kind of let John convert this to a Lord of the Rings podcast for a hot second every once in a while. And Someday. then we go back to Dairy Goats. So Yeah. But I, I get a lot of flack for that. I'm like, never Harry Potter, never Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm, I'm not that oddball in the, in the you have your maternity leave planned out then Ashley <laughs> <laughs> and watch him yeah um, so yeah we're running a little bit long here so Ashley I'm actually going to kind of toss this to you 
I want you to give the details of the pre-TC and TC in June uh, one more time here. Yeah. So for anyone interested in coming, it is the weekend of the 17th um, of June. So we will be hosting it in Elkhorn, Wisconsin and around the Janesville, Wisconsin areas. And so the pre-TC will be at Early Rise Acres of Orfordville, Wisconsin. And we will have the live instruction on the farm there, as well as the classroom portion at the Dingling Supper Club across the street. And then the rest of the TC and testing will be at the Walworth County Fairgrounds on that Saturday and Sunday. To find um, more details on all of the registration information, um, you can go to wdga.org, and it is a form you can fill in and register online. And just to recap, you do not need to be going out for your judge's license in order to participate in the pre-training conference. And that can be entirely just for your own benefit and you don't need to be a certain age. And then for the TC, you just need to make sure that you meet the criteria for being a qualifiable candidate for judging or for receiving a judging license. And that you would register for in addition to if you want to do both, you can. And um, all that's available online. And if you have any questions or concerns or want to coordinate locally, I'm happy to kind of um, help you route anything. Um, We're about 75% full as far as registered candidates for the judging license portion for the TC. Um, but the pre-TC still has plenty of slots open and doesn't have as uh, aggressive of a cap. But for the TC portion, there is a limited registration of only up to 25 candidates just because we only have the one panel of judges um, that evaluates you during your during your testing. So if I can help anyone out, just please message me um, on Facebook. You can look me up. Otherwise, um, go to our uh, WDGA.org, and my contact info is on there, as well as our online registration or downloadable forms. Perfect. Oh, go ahead. You do need to hold an individual AGA membership. Okay, so um, that means an individual, I believe, adult membership. So you cannot be part of a family membership. We did have, uh, we've had issues with that in the past where, you know, somebody didn't realize, you know, and they're scrambling on a weekend to try to get themselves an individual membership, particularly if they're coming out of a youth membership or if they're part of a family membership. So you do need to hold, again, an individual AGA membership in order to be uh, a full candidate. Yes, that is a question I have gotten, Anna, by several people. And um, if you are just going to do the pre-TC and have no intentions of going for your license yet, you're fine at whatever whatever type of membership you have. But it is if you are going to pursue a judge's license, you need to have that individual ADGA membership. So um, that would be something good to have in play. Perfect. And we'll also provide all of those links uh, on the episode show notes, and I'm sure we'll be sharing it on our Facebook page. We tend to uh, help out our friends over in Wisconsin. (laughs) And uh, yeah, there's also, you forgot to mention, there's also a a Facebook event, the WDGA Special Judges 
pre-training conference and training conference 2022. You can just search in the Facebook search bar and find it real quick. Yep. And And you can find us on the socials. We have the Wisconsin Dairy Goat Association Facebook page. And then we also have a companion page, or I should say group called WDGA Classifieds, which is basically kind of anything and everything for discussion, people listing goats and events and things like that. And I'm definitely sharing updates in both the places, but just so people know, it's a first come first serve basis. So if you're at all thinking this is for you, you definitely want to act sooner than later, just so you don't miss your chance at a spot. Perfect. Uh, Did we miss anything, ladies? Is there anything else that we should remind people or or add? I don't think so. All right. Yeah. I think we did pretty good there. Um, Danielle, where can people kind of find our stuff for ringside? So we are on the web at dairygoatpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook searching um, ringside American Dairy Goat Podcast. And then on Instagram, we're ringside underscore goat underscore podcast so be sure to follow like subscribe to us when you're listening um on apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to rate us too um particularly apple podcast that goes a long way and so we appreciate your support yeah agreed and if anybody feels like uh adding some t-shirts hoodies mugs what have you go to dairygoatpodcast.com forward slash merch and you can check out all the goodies we've got there uh this week we were joined by emily thompson anna thompson hadjik and ashley shiel thank you so much for joining us ladies thank you thank you thank you and everybody this has been ringside an american dairy goat podcast i'm john and i'm danielle we'll catch you on the next one ringside an american dairy goat podcast is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.